Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We've been looking at the Spirit-filled life, beginning back uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 18, and how the Spirit-filled life should uh, impact our lives as wives to our husband, as husbands to our wives. And uh, now we're going to look at uh, children and parenting this morning. And uh, there's two responsibilities that we see in this passage of Scripture. One is to the children in verses 1 through 3, and then one is to the parents in verse uh, 4. And so let me turn in my Bible to Ephesians chapter 6, and I will read the first four verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there's two commands here. Children, obey your parents, honor your parents. We're going to look at those. And then um, actually not just fathers, but parents. Parents, uh, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction uh, of the Lord. Now, these commands to both um, children and parents, these are basic to all civilization, but particularly for us as Christians, because uh, Paul instructs as in the Lord. Um, Mom and dad, children, children, Our lives are in Christ. If you're a child of God, you are in Christ. And you have been given this Holy Spirit. When we came to faith, when we came to to salvation, a relationship with Christ, we were given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit enables us, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, that wives, you can be submissive. You can voluntarily submit your life uh, to your husband. Husbands, you can love your wife as Christ has loved the church. And then uh, children, you can obey and honor your parents. And as parents, um, if we're spirit-filled, we're not going to provoke our children to anger, but we're going to bring them up in, in the word of God, what God, how God would, live their, would have them live their life before him. So these are things that uh, God has instruct us. But children, obey your parents. Now, this was a big de- deal in Jewish culture, especially in the Old Testament, but particularly for the, the Jews uh, who were in this church as well. Uh, that Paul's writing to. Um, but in the Old Testament, if, if you were a child and you were rebellious to your parents, um, you could under, under, undergo stoning. 
uh, this was a, a judicial law in the Old Testament. We see this in Exodus chapter 21, verses 15 and 17, and Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9. But let me read Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 through 21. Uh, it talks about the seriousness of children obeying their parents. Old Testament, Jewish Jewish children. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen, listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of a city at the gateway of his home, hometown. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious, and he will not obey us, and he is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear of it and fear. Wow, that's rather serious, isn't it? And, and God would institute that kind of law among his children, the Jewish people. That doesn't sound like a God of love. God gave, but everything that everything that God says and does is good and serves a particular person. He wants his people, he wants his children to be holy. He wants his children to reflect the image of God and live obedient lives, live with respect and honor uh, for others, especially uh, your, your parents. And so this law was uh, instituted. And, and um, to implement this law means that uh, things have got to be really extreme, really rebellious uh, with this child. This, this child is totally out of control and uh, he is inflicting harm on other people. And justice needs to be served. And church is no different today. If we, we see parents who uh, have uh, children who are um, living out of control and they're inflicting harm maybe on, on them or on others in the community, and parents who care about that child are going to call the authorities, and let the authorities deal with the situation. That's what a loving parent would do. A parent who doesn't love would just sweep it under the carpet, uh, would just try to protect their child at all costs from suffering the consequences and never learn the lesson. And a, person, and a, child, a parent who is like that, that is why they are in the situation they are in today. Because that child has never learned the consequences 
of their behavior. So God has instituted this. And so as we look at that verse, we don't read of a verse in the Bible where um, the elders of um, the Jewish community carried out that command. Most likely it did, but we don't read about that in the Bible. But this, but this law uh, is instituted among God's covenant people, the Jewish people, all right? But again, we, we see this being carried out today in our justice system by, by parents who are concerned about their children, allow the law to uh, follow through with the consequences. But our, we watch over and over again how rebellious children are a devastation, not just in the home, but in, in our community, uh, in our school system. And uh, things, are, things seem to become more and more out of control today. You know, parents weren't taught to behave. And now parents are, those, those children are now parents themselves and are just continuing to pass this on to the next generation. Well, God is specific here. And for Christian parents, you and I, we have a responsibility to teach our children to obey and honor, not just us, but the Lord as well. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Mom and Dad, you have to teach them how to obey. Believe it or not, they don't come uh, into life. You don't birth them and they just automatically know how to obey uh, your every command. Nope. They are sinners. All right? As innocent and as as beautiful and, uh, and, and pure as you think they might be, uh, they are vipers in diapers, okay? Vipers in diapers. And Christian mom and dad, in the Lord, okay, you need to know the Word of God. You need to love the Word of God, and then you need to teach this then uh, to your children. They need to learn to obey. They need to learn to listen. Okay, the word uh, for teach, teach them to obey, is the word hupakuo, and it means listen. They need to learn to listen and attend, submit, obey, and it starts with listening. Okay? You need to have their attention. Okay? And when you're disciplining them, when you're wanting to teach them something, when you're wanting them to get it, you need to make sure that they are looking at you and you are looking into their eyes, that you have their full attention. They're not distracted by anything else. Teach them to listen. And it's not just a one-time thing, okay? This is a... Teach them to obey. This is a present imperative, which means that you need to keep on doing this. 
keep on teaching them to obey. And children, you need to listen to your mom and dad. Let's look at what some verses uh, in the Bible has to say. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Proverbs 5, verse 1 says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom and incline your ear to my understanding. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live and keep my teaching as the apple of your, of your eye. Mom and Dad, you're the boss. And you have a responsibility to teach your children to obey. And Paul's command to the children this morning is obey your parents all the time in everything. And when we're talking about children, we're talking about children who know better, okay? Um, it's not infant children, but uh, children who ha have the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. And this is something that uh, is to continue all through uh, childhood and into their teenage years until they become an independent adult. And young people, when you become that independent adult that's out from underneath your parents' roof, okay, you're on your own. You're able to um, resource yourself. You are, are able to take care of yourself. You no longer have to obey, but you do have to honor your father and mother, as Scripture says. So teach them to obey. Children, uh, obey. Um, <clears throat> why? Why are we to teach them to obey? Verse 1, for this is right. This is right. We need to teach them the difference between right and wrong. And God's way is good. God's way is always good. And there is blessing that accompanies obedience, but we need to teach them what is right because it is right. You know, the Bible says as adults, 
and as people that we are to submit to the government. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, as unto the Lord. Children, you are to submit to your parents as, uh, in, as in the Lord. Next week, we'll be looking at slaves to their masters in, Coloss- in, in Ephesians and also in Colossians. And uh, we, you are to serve your masters in the Lord. And that really has to do with employee-employer relationships. But these things are right. These things are necessary. But for children in particular, they need to know what's right. And that becomes, that's part of our responsibility, mom and dad. And we see verse 4. Verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's your responsibility. We need to bring them up. We need to disciple them and teach them what is right, what God expects. And so when children ask the question, why? (laughs) Uh, Levi, my grandson, he's in the why phase. You know, every conversation, why? Why do we have to do that? Uh, Always questioning. Well, why, when children say, why do I have to do that? Why, why, why can't I do what other children are doing? What other parents are letting their, their children do? Well, what do we say, mom and dad? I'm not their parent. <laughs> and I'm the parent, and what says goes. And also, because this is right. This is what you are to obey me um, because this is what God expects of us as his children. So you're the boss. Mom and dad, don't be afraid of hurting your child's feelings because they can't do something. You know, I know some parents that are just so permissive because they don't want to hurt their feelings. It's all about their feelings. No, (laughs) it's about obedience. It's about their future. It's about teaching them the right thing to do. It's about what God's word says. And if you're having a conversation with your child and uh, you know this is the right thing, you know, um, but you don't know where it is in the Bible, God, you know what? You have a concordance in the back of your Bible, okay? And uh, whatever issue you're dealing with, you're dealing with uh, uh, lying or uh, impurity or immorality or anything of this nature, just go to the back of the Bible and uh, you know, look up a word that uh, pertains to the subject matter that you're dealing with. God will show you a verse, okay? And then you can read that together with your child. You're disciplining them and you are discipling them at the same time. And God is with you uh, in this. And you are both growing together. So teach them to obey. God gives us absolutes. God gives us rules that are for 
our best, for our protection, that he might protect and bless us in the days ahead. Psalm 119, verse 75 said, Your judgments are righteous. Everything that God says is good. And you don't have to question that, Mom and Dad. You just need to follow through. So teach them to obey the Word of God. And then in verse 2, children, um, beyond obeying, you need to honor your father and mother. Okay? This has to do with our attitude. (laughs) You know, sometimes we want to obey, but we're going to have an attitude about it, okay? Uh, Your parents are telling you to sit down, and you want to stand up, and uh, you do sit down, but on the inside, you're still standing up, okay? (laughs) This has to do with, with your attitude. So as we honor our father and mother, it's not with re- reluctance. It's not with rebelliousness. It's not with an unwillingness. But when you see that word honor, tamao, it means awe and re- respect. And uh, sometimes that's hard. You know, there was a there was a couple in our life group a few years ago. And um, and the son of his parents, he was he was he was the only Christian in his family, and uh, he was not treated well. But he chose to love and honor his parents uh, as they were getting up in years, and they they were getting to a point where they couldn't care for themselves. And uh, this son would go out of his way. Um, they couldn't care for themselves and, uh, and, and, and their, their home, uh, their lives, parents. It was a complete disaster, okay? The parents were hoarders. The parents were out of control. The parents didn't know God. And here this son and his wife went back to that home and they served his parents as they continued to mistreat him, to disrespect them, who were unappreciative of anything that they tried to do do for them. Um, There wasn't a place for his father to sleep in the house. And so the son went out and bought a bed for the dad. They, they cleaned up a room in the house and uh, w- was going to put that bed in that room. And the father didn't want to have anything to do with that bed. And, and it was horrible to hear the ways that... Uh, uh, this mom and dad were treating their adult <laughs> son and daughter-in-law. But in spite of all that, they continued to honor them and serve them. 
Because that was his parents. That's the respect and the awe I think God is speaking of in this passage of Scripture. And that's a hard thing to do. Again, it goes back to Ephesians 5, 18. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. You can't do this in the flesh. You know, it would be really easy just to be resentful and bitter and just ignore them. And you know what? It got to the point where they couldn't do anything more. They did all they could, and they didn't, mom and dad didn't want them there. They ultimately had to leave. And I'm not sure how this story is, has turned out, but uh, it hurt them to have to walk away from that situation. They wanted to continue to honor them. Hmm. Well, here in verse 3, Paul is quoting from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Let me read verse 3 again. Well, verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Paul is quoting from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. As you honor, as you obey, God promises that it's going to go well with you and that you might live long on the earth. I know that that doesn't happen when children choose to live rebellious lives. Oftentimes their lives are cut short. I remember my cousin in Oklahoma years ago. This is probably, uh, well, I was serving on staff here um, approximately 24 years ago or so, but... um, my cousin back in Oklahoma, she was a little bit younger than I was, but um, she, um, she was spoiled rotten. <laughs> you know, um, T- Tanya was adopted late in her parents' life, could never have children, and when this child came into their home, again, they didn't want to hurt her feelings. And they gave Tanya everything she wanted. And I promise you, she had everything, including a pony, okay? Um, But there was a point in uh, Tanya's life where um, she got angry at her parents. And she took the car, her parents' car, without permission and stormed out of that driveway of of that uh, that home, and chose to drive recklessly, and the tr- the car got out of control. The car flipped, and Tanya died. But that's just one example of many where children choose to be rebellious of their parents. Guess what? God wants to save you from that kind of life, and God 
has instituted his, his laws and his commands and has put fences around your life, not to make your life miserable, but to protect you and bless you as you live within those boundaries. You can trust God's commands. And, and kids who have Christian parents who are trying to raise you in the Lord, you need to thank God every day for the parents that he's given. Oh, they're not perfect. Yeah. And sometimes you don't like the things that uh, they want you to do. But God has given you the parents that you have. And you need to thank the Lord for, for them. And what he wants to do in your life through them. And then in verse 4, Mom and Dad, teach them. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Again, your children have a default system to rebel, a default system to sin. And it's your responsibility to teach them how not to be selfish, how to be loving and caring and share and be obedient. You must teach them. You must discipline them. They need to be corrected. And it's for their good. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. A little pain is good. <laughs> it helps them to remember what is right. Now, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about leaving marks or bruises or anything of this nature. But it's good to inflict a little bit of pain. Especially when they're younger, okay? As they grow older, you know, if, if they're teenagers and you're still trying to inflict pain physically in their life, um, uh, something's gone wrong, okay? <laughs> There's other consequences that you should be able to implement that will be far more effective than, than spanking. But in the early years, sometimes it's necessary. Now, for you know, some of my kids, I need to implement that more than others. When it came to Emily, when she was a child, all I had to do was look at her wrong and she would burst into tears, okay? For others, it wasn't so easy. But whatever's necessary based upon the personality of the child, you know, show discernment. But, uh, but folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 3, verse 11 says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom 
he delights. The God of love disciplines his children, and so should the parents of those, those children. They should discipline as well, as well. So when you think of the word discipline, let me encourage you that um, as you discipline, there needs to be a relationship with your child. Okay? We're not talking about a household that's just full of a lot of rules. You know, I've, I've seen uh, Christian homes as in my 40 years of ministry that there was little relationship, but there were a whole lot of rules. And you know, those relationships, those, many of those relationships, they went south. Because uh, once they got out from underneath, well, those children, when they got out from underneath their parents' authority, they went wild. I saw this at Cal Baptist a lot. <laughs> you know, I knew the children, the kids, my, my peers, who grow, grew up in loving, caring households. And they wanted to follow the rules. Mom and dad wasn't there. That's, that's fine. They didn't know what the rules were. And that was not, not an issue for them. But there were others that uh, were trying to get away with whether they get away with because mom and dad were no longer there. So when we talk about disciplining your children, teaching them to obey, there's got to be a relationship. It's just not all about rules. If it's all about rules, it's going to lead to rebellion. Now, if it's all about relationship, that's going to lead to rebellion too, okay? There needs to be a balance of rules and relationship. And so that's what we see here in this passage of Scripture. The Bible says, dads, uh, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Frankly, I know how to provoke my children to anger. Now, my wife doesn't. <laughs> my wife is very loving and, and tender and, and can draw out a conversation uh, with my kids. Now, for me, I'm a bottom line kind of guy. And uh, if, if that relationship isn't there, you know, uh, I know how to provoke them, or uh, I certainly know how to tease them and push their buttons. But Paul says in this passage of Scripture, do not provoke your children to anger. So my question, dads and moms, are you provoking them to anger? How, how can we provoke our children to anger? Let me just mention several here. By overprotecting them, <laughs> surrounding them with bubble wrap, making all their decisions for them, okay? Um, that can provoke them to anger. Not trusting them in decisions that they make. There was a, there was a secretary in the church that I came from previously is when I was a youth pastor there, and the, the, the mother had a teenage daughter, and she was scared to death that her daughter was going to make the same mistakes that she made. And you know what? She grew up making the same mistakes 
that mom had made. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Why? Because she couldn't trust her daughter to make good decisions, choices for herself. Mom made all the decisions for her. Distrusting them can make a child angry. Playing favoritism or comparing uh, your, your child to another sibling can provoke them to anger. Having unrealistic expectations, okay? What they, what they do is never good enough. They could have done a better job. Instead of praising them and acknowledging the, the good work, the, what they've accomplished, um, you know, they never measure up and they, you just always have unrealistic expectations. Constant negative talk. There's no thanks. There's no acknowledgement for good things that they did, they've done. You know, if, if, you, uh, if you've noticed that your child has cleaned their room, don't go up to your child and say, well, it's about time. Or, now what do you want? Okay? Acknowledge, hey, thank you for having cleaned your room. You did, you did a great job. Um, but, you know, there's no reward for good behavior. No, there's no affirmation. There's no approval. That could be provoking your child to anger. Uh, you're living selfishly for yourself, okay? You're, you're, not, you're not serving your children. Your children go to you, and, and uh, instead of being helpful, uh, you treat them as if you are bothering them, okay? You have a, an expression of no on your face all the time, and they're afraid to ask you for something. That's provoking them to anger. When we're impatient with our children, when they make mistakes, when we're having a meal at the table and the milk is spilled, you know what? They don't need a lecture. They don't need to hear how wrong they were. They need a towel. And give them room to make mistakes. Don't condemn them. Be patient with their development. We provoke our children to anger through verbal abuse and sarcasm and ridicule and cutting and swearing and, and name-calling. Mom and Dad, are you provoking your children to anger? Where do you need to step back and say, God, help me. And if God's pricked your heart this morning in an area that has really put a wedge between you and your relationship with your child, it's okay, mom and dad, to go to your child and say, hey, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? I was a youth pastor for 20 years. I can't tell you the number of teenagers had come to me who were angry at their parent 
because they never admit when they're wrong. There's been times with my kids that I crossed the boundary with my anger. And... Um, and wounded them and had to go back and apologize. You know, um, forgiveness covers a multitude of sin. If you've got that relationship with your child and um, you've got more love in their emotional bank account than... um, than um, uh, restrictions or consequences, you know, they're going to forgive you of a lot. But to be the parent that we need to be for our children, we need to be living spirit-filled lives. Came across this as I was preparing this message this week. It, <clears throat> If a child grows up with criticism, he learns to condemn. If he grows up with hostility, he learns to fight. If he grows up with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If he grows up with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If he grows up with encouragement, he learns to have confidence. If he, learn, if he grows up with praise, he learns to appreciate If he grows up with fairness, he learns justice. If he grows up with security, he learns to trust. If he grows up with approval, he learns to like himself. If he grows up with acceptance and friendship, he learns to love. And so here we have in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, what a spirit-filled home looks like. It begins with you, Mom. It begins with you, Dad. It begins with you, kids. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And husbands loving their wife as Christ loved the church with wives respecting their husbands and supporting his leadership as to the Lord, with children obeying and honoring their parents as to the Lord, and parents teaching their children to love and obey God's word. Now, I know that there's a lot of households in this, in this service this morning who are doing those very, very things. And uh, as I conclude this service this morning, I want to leave us with a word of encouragement. Okay? As we do these things, what a sanctuary of blessing this can be and is in our children's lives. Mom and Dad, I know that you are a blessing in your children's life. Now, as we go through this life and this world today, it's easy to get discouraged. I, I wish 
we still had shows like Leave It to Beaver, <laughs> Father Knows Best, The Andy Griffith Show. I mean, these were great programs growing up. And I tried to instill these shows. I want, you know, I try to get my grandkids to watch these shows, but they don't want to have anything to do it because they're in black and white. <laughs> they can't see past the black and white. But there, there are great messages in, those, in these shows and uh, wholesome values. And uh, I just wish we had those. Uh, today, but unfortunately we don't. In fact, we, our world today would say that those shows are harmful. Okay? They say, this, today secular professionals tell us that they are the worst kinds of shows that potentially lead men to become dominant and violent oppressors. That's a fact, okay? And we don't see any of those kinds of shows today, but when they make those kinds of statements, there is zero evidence to back up those statements. But we hear that and we just think it's a fact. When in fact, they are trying to dismantle the church and the home and let the government be the guardian of our children. Church, our children, your children do not belong to the government. They belong to you. God has given you the responsibility to discipline them, given you the responsibility to teach them what is right and is what is wrong. Because what they're going to learn in our government schools are exactly the opposite of what the Word of God says. If your children are in public schools, mom, dad, you pray for them, and you disciple them, teach them what's right and what's wrong. And you know what? Children in public schools can thrive. I've seen children in public schools. My kids have been in public schools. And they thrive if that godly environment is at home. And they know how to find friends who will encourage them to, to be that, that healthy example. If they've got good relationships with other peers at school, they're going to do just fine. But it's not the school's responsibility. It's yours, Mom and Dad. But that's the environment that we're living in. And, you know, parents are beat up, especially dads. You know, you watch sitcoms today, and, you know, dads are the buffoons. <laughs> They're, they're the butt of, of family jokes. And uh, oftentimes, dads are beat up on. And you're probably thinking to yourself, am I making a difference? Is Christianity making a difference? There's not a whole lot of praise for godly households in the secular culture. 
And you're not going to hear it because you're the enemy. So let me just leave you with some things I've come across here uh, lately. Um, Fred sent, gave, sent me a, um, a podcast, uh, and it was an interview with uh, Nancy Percy. I don't know if you know Nancy Percy, but uh, she's an author who's written several books. She's a professor at a Christian university in Houston, and uh, she... She's interviewed a lot in, in different uh, settings. And uh, she has written a new book that is coming out either tomorrow or Wednesday, okay? And uh, the name of the book is The Toxic War on Masculinity, How Christianity Reconciles the Sexes. And um, um, she's come across some statistics in her research and developing this book that you don't hear. You know, I've, all, I've often quoted that uh, uh, this statistic that the divorce rate in the church is the same as it is in secular society. You know, that, uh, that there's no difference. You know that that's false? Where did they get that statistic? Well, when they interviewed these people, they lumped the, the Christians in name only with the committed Christians who are faithful to, to a local church and, and uh, parents are actively participating in that church. Well, they just lumped them together. And in lumping those two groups together, guess what? Uh, it brought down the percentages of, uh, of the, the success in that home and made it look like the rest of the world. She says that uh, Christian men um, who are Christians in name only, they have the highest divorce statistics. They, they are, and when it comes to abuse, Men who claim to be Christian, but in name only, they are worst in the category of abuse of all the categories. And so that, that's a false statistic. But for Christian parents um, who are committed, who are active in a, in a local church, the divorce rate for those Christian families are the lowest of any category, of all categories. They are, Christian wives are, are the happiest of all marriages who are married to, to men, to godly men who are leading their families. And so... Um, <clears throat> She interviews, she, she quotes a lot uh, this gentleman by the name of Brad Wilcox. He's a pre professor of sociology at the University of, of Virginia. He writes a lot of articles for the New York Times. I'm not saying that writing articles for the New, New York Times is good, but, uh, but this is a, a reliable, godly resource. And this is what he says, the happiest of all wives in America are religious conservatives, 
fully 73% of wives who hold conservative gender values and attend religious services regularly with their husband have high-quality marriages. Why aren't these statistics promoted, discussed in the secular media or in media at all? It's because they've been buried in academic journals. Our culture, the, the, the elite influencers don't want this message to get out. But this is the fact. Brad Wilcox wrote to his secular colleagues at the University of Virginia and said this, Academics needs to cast aside their prejudices against religious conservatives and evangelicals in particular. Conservative Protestant married men with children are consistently the most active and expressive fathers and the most emotionally engaged husbands. And not just in the United States, but around the world. So dad, if you're here today, good job. God is using you in the life of your children. Keep trusting God's word. Yeah, we're not perfect. Yeah, we make mistakes. But you are the most important, mom and dad, you are the most important influence in your children's life. Children, as you follow your mom and dad's lead, God's going to bless you. And mom and dad, those kids are going to thrive. So keep Trusting him. God knew what he was doing when he gave us this book. God knew exactly what we needed. As God's people, let's heed it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for each home that's represented here this morning. Lord, thank you for each person who's part of this church. Some aren't married. Some have been that married or and have are widowed now. Lord, you know each and every person, but they're in this church. And God, you have, have given us this community to encourage one another, to love one another, to love those, Lord, that are in the thick of battle and raising children. God, we need each other's support, each other's encouragement each other's back. And I thank you for the truth. 
God, that there's a right and there's a wrong. And there's a right that's going to set us free and help us to be who you want us to be. That will contribute to our, our, our society and our workplace and, and our home life and our future home life and, and uh, Lord, to be that blessing to the next generation who, who will be faithful in teaching, in teaching their children. God, thank you for the blessings that I've experienced through my children and my grandchildren that money cannot buy. It's all come from you. And I give you all the glory. God, help us to be who you want us to be in the Spirit, filled with you, filled with your word, filled with your love that will help guide and discipline and correct and encourage and support. Thank you for your truth. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.